0: The reading of God's Word, verse 7, down through verse number 12. I'll begin in verse 7, and we'll read verses 8, 10, and 12 together out loud, and I'll read 7, 9, and 11 on my own. The Bible says in verse 7, "...Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth." and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience." Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation." And we'll continue the series this morning by looking at this topic, Patience in the Process. Patience in the Process. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to understand, um, not only intellectually, but down on a heart level, just how important patience is. It is something that seems to elude our society at large, Lord. Uh, It is something that we desperately need to get back to. So... Help us, Lord, to understand and to apply, and Lord, that uh, the message today would help someone here who's frustrated uh, to just take a step back and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Patience. Patience. Something that we're not very good at, is it? How many here would say, Pastor, I am naturally a patient person? I got a hand here. Okay. Uh I'd say 90% of you are not naturally patient or too shy to raise your hand. One or the other. Uh, my hand isn't raised because I am not naturally a patient fellow. But patience is so very important uh, to the Christian life. Um Psalm chapter one, verse number three. Can you turn there quickly for me? Psalm chapter one and verse number three. You might as well just go ahead and put a marker in where this verse is, because it seems like we come back here just about every week for a different purpose. Psalm 1 is sort of the table of contents to our our theme this year, being rooted in Christ. Look at verse 3. There's a little phrase here that just gets run over. And if you're not looking for it, uh, you'll miss it. And he shall be like a tree, speaking of the successful Christian, Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. Read those next three words out loud with me, will you? In his season. In his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So this Christian's going to be successful in his season. Turn over to Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 15. Luke is the uh, third book of the New Testament, the third account of the life of Christ. Here in Luke 8, we find a parable or a, an illustration that Jesus was giving to help us understand an eternal truth. Uh, parables have been called an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and I think that's a good uh, way of looking at it. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It says, But speaking of the seed of the Scripture that goes down into the soil of our heart, but that on the good ground, Speaking of the seeds, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit, those next two words, with patience, with patience. So, Psalm 1 tells us that we'll bring forth fruit in our season, and Luke 8 says that we need to bring forth fruit with patience, with patience. Okay, so, you have come to an understanding that you are a sinner, and you are under the condemnation of sin and that your sin has condemned you or damned you to hell. And your only escape from hell is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, His resurrection from the dead, and His ability to pardon you if you will humbly ask Him. You have turned to Him. You have put your trust in Christ alone to save you. And now you are on your way to heaven. He has given you the gift ...of eternal life. You say, well, pastor, I have done that. I understand that truth. Uh, I came to a place where I took my faith out of a religious system... ...or some set of works. I put my faith and trust in the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ... ...and I'm on my way to heaven. And you say, what's next? Well, uh, Matthew 28, Mark 16, and uh, the end of Luke... ...tell you the next step is for you to be scripturally baptized... Baptism is not going to take away your sins. Baptism is not going to uh, put one foot into heaven. It's not going to guarantee you anything. Uh, What does baptism do? Baptism identifies you with Christ. Baptism to the Christian is the same as a wedding ring to someone who's married. You don't have to wear a wedding ring to be married, but most folks who wear one will wear it because it identifies them with their spouse. It is a public identifier. That's what the baptism is. It is a public identifying. It is an outward expression of an inward decision. The water in that baptistry has no more power to cleanse your soul than the water in my pool in my backyard right now there's no difference in the water that's not holy we don't have any holy water here water is not holy per se that water is not meant to take your sins away it's meant to show your relationship with christ you say okay pastor i understand that i have put my faith and trust in christ to save me i have followed in baptism what's next well the next step would be that you develop a relationship with jesus christ We are more about relationship than we are about religion at White Oak Baptist Church. We don't want you to come here and feel like you've gone through some set of religious rituals... And now all of a sudden you're set for the rest of the week. No, 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 no. What you do on Sunday by coming to church is you put yourself around a group of people who will encourage you and lift you up and help you. You put yourself under the preaching of God's Word that gives you the spiritual uh, fuel you need to make it through the week. And because it's God's Word uh, that has been written to us, that transforms us, and it is through His Word that we develop that relationship, that that communion, that Fellowship, that that one-on-one with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the key to a successful Christian life, is learning how to read and study and meditate and memorize the Bible. And so uh, you say, well, Pastor, I've started to read my Bible every day. I don't understand all of it. Uh, But I read it because I know that's the right thing to do. And sometimes I get things out of it. Oftentimes I don't. But I've been reading my Bible and I've been making an attempt at a prayer life and I'm faithful to church. And so, Pastor, well, now what? Now what? Well, last week's sermon was entitled, Plucking Up the Old Roots. It's getting those sinful mentalities that bring about sinful habits Out and not expecting the scripture to share the soil with your sin, but rather saying the scripture And the truth of Scripture is going to dominate my heart and is going to have all of my heart. And so last week we talked about the importance of pulling up the roots of your old sin so that the Bible and God's Word and that relationship with Christ can run those roots down deep and not have to compete for the nutrients of the soil of your heart. You say, okay, pastor, I've been working at uprooting sin. I don't have it all figured out. I'm working that direction Now what? Well the answer is this. Keep doing what you're doing and be patient. Just be patient. But I want a successful Christian life now. You gotta be patient. You need to be patient. Um you ever notice that life in the south moves slower than life in the northeast? Cindy's here. She lives in Georgia now, a small town in Georgia. Connecticut girl her whole life, now in Georgia. Life moves a little slower down there, don't they? Uh, You know why? Because the life of a farmer requires patience. It requires a lot of patience. You don't plant seeds one day and get your crop the next. You plant your seeds and you wait. And you wait And you wait. And there's a lot of trust and faith in the God of the ground, which is the God of heaven, in order for that to happen. And what that does is it breeds a life of living slow. Look at the life of a farmer versus the life of a businessman. Do you know that most farmers don't keep a calendar in their phone? They don't do that. They don't pull out some day planner that has appointment, appointment, appointment. On my phone, I've got appointments locked in for the next month, the next several months. I have an appointment hotline that you can call and set up a counseling session with Pastor Lejeune if you'd so like to do that. Many of you have my cell number, so you just text me and we set it up that way. But I'll put it in my phone and I'll lock in a date and a time. And if it's out at some place, I get a notification from Siri that says, Hey, you need to leave now in order to make that appointment. And someone asks me, What time is it? And I can tell you within about a 10 to 20 minute range what time that is. If you ask a farmer what time it is, you know what they say? Oh, um... It's probably about 10 o'clock, maybe 2 o'clock. This is what happens when you have patience. You live a life of patience. To In order to prepare for this series of sermons, I've, I've shared this with you all, but I went down to Alabama and I spent time with a farmer friend of mine who's also a Bible school graduate and thinks a lot like I do theologically but works a farm as his full-time job while I was down there uh, I went out one day looking for a Dunkin Donuts. I wanted to get my my latte I was needing my caffeine fix and um, I went looking and I drove and I drove and I drove and I drove and there were no coffee shops anywhere And I said do they not have coffee shops? The only coffee I could find was gas station coffee, and it was probably about three days old. It was terrible. And so I went to the farmer and I said, hey, you guys don't have coffee shops down here? And he goes, we don't need the caffeine. We get plenty of sleep. I was like, oh, well, we have a problem in New England. There's a coffee shop every 200 yards, 500 yards Way of life is just so much slower down there because they are used to having to wait for several months in order to get their investment back. In the back of the auditorium, we have Brother John Sanchez sitting back there. I had the privilege of going out, soul winning with him. I love Brother John. He's a good friend of mine. Um, Brother John works with the stock market. I don't know everything he does, but he works with the stock market, I think with predictions and those type of things. You ever watched... You ever seen a shot down into Wall Street in the middle of trading? Oh my, it's crazy down there. Uh, think about the difference in patience between a day trader and a farmer. Day trader and a farmer. Um, let me give you an app, maybe a, uh, an example that maybe hits a little closer to home. How many of you here like lettuce on a hamburger? Raise your hand if you like lettuce on a hamburger, alright? Um, How long does it take you to get that lettuce on your hamburger at McDonald's? Not that that's real lettuce. but Or uh, maybe at Wayback or Five Guys. How long does it take you to get that lettuce? Boy, if you don't have that sandwich, within just a few minutes after ordering it, there's a problem. You're frustrated. You know how long it takes a farmer to get lettuce on his hamburger? As long as it takes him to put the seed in the ground and wait for that to come to fruition. For a lot of Christians, they want the fruit of the Christian life and they want it soon. They want it fast food speed. The Bible says that you need to bring forth fruit with patience. I wrote down some other examples here. Um, I think this one's pretty funny. Have you ever uh, been on a back road stuck behind a tractor? And you're like, come on! Get out of my way! You know that farmer. He's not concerned. He's got that thing maxed out at about seven miles an hour, and he isn't getting out of the way. Finally, he gets out of the way. And if you do what I do, you put the floor the, the gas to the floor. Whoa! To say as if to say, "You jerk! You should have gotten out of my way a long time ago." Um. Just a different lifestyle. Now, the fruits that we develop for Christ are to be compared to that of a farmer and not that of a fast food restaurant. I propose this morning that in order to become a strong tree in Christ's orchard, you must be willing to commit to a lengthy process. This process is going to require patience. You must learn to develop the mind of Christ That's that root system in your heart. You must uproot and move away from secular and sinful mindsets and habits. You must allow God's Word and its truths time to develop a strong root system inside of your heart. You must allow time for the tree of truth to grow and develop. You must allow that tree a season or two or three to produce fruit in your heart. Christianity is not measured in years, but rather it is measured in decades. A successful Christian life requires commitment and it requires patience. This is not something that you get overnight. I was talking to my friend yesterday, my farmer friend, Steve, uh, on the phone yesterday. He's sitting on a tractor in the middle of his field. He takes my call and he says to me, we're talking about this topic, and he says to me, I'm looking at a row of peach trees right now that are not supposed to produce for another two years. He said they're a couple of years old. They've got a couple of years to go. He said, uh, I walked out earlier this year and on this row of peach trees, I noticed there was one tree that had four peaches on it. And I said, oh, no, that's a problem. He said, I walked over and I knocked those peaches off. But he said, I already know because I'm an experienced farmer that now that tree's growth is stunted. And it now will be a season behind the rest of the trees in producing real peaches because it tried to produce fruit before it was time to produce fruit. Forced Christianity versus Christ honoring timed Christianity. Don't try to force something that God has intended for you to wait. Now, let's jump into James 5 and do a verse-by-verse study. I hope when you walk out today, you have a a really good grasp of James 5, 7, down through verse number 11 or 12. Let's do a verse-by-verse study as we consider the topic of being rooted in Christ and patience in the process. I encourage you on the back of your bulletin where it says, Sermon notes, to jot down the notes This morning, and so you can go back and review and do your own Bible study later on even a deeper level. Notice, number one, God's promise for the patient. God's promise for the patient. Look back with me at James chapter 5, and let's look at verse number 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. It says, it continues and says, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. We'll get to that in a minute. The coming of the Lord. What is the coming of the Lord? Now, Christians have been mocked for many years for saying this, uh, but Christ is coming. That is, uh, the the coming of the Lord is the rapture of the church or the carrying away of the church. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 6. If you're in James, it's it's really maybe five or six pages to the left there. Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 12. The Bible says there, it says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience. Those two are tied together. Faith and patience. Inherit the promises. Inherit the promises. There are promises for the patient. There is that carrot on the end of the string that we're after. And one day we will get the carrot off the string. One day we will get that promise. Quickly, let me give you a letter A, B and a C here. Notice letter A. His coming. His coming. Again, James chapter 5 verse 7 says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Let me shed some more light on what that means. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to try to stick with the, just the New Testament this morning for sake of simplicity. First Thessalonians would again just be a handful of books back to the left. There, First Thessalonians, chapter number four. And verse number 13, and Paul explains to the church of Thessalonica what this coming of the Lord is. It says there, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those that are dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Verse 14, uh, 1 Thessalonians four fourteen. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or keep them or stop them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up there's that idea of being raptured. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, there will be a day where our hope in Christ is made complete where Jesus steps out on the clouds and one of the angels blows a trumpet and all of those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation all of those who are the children of God, who are the church of God, that when that trumpet blows they will be raptured or caught away off this earth. Literally millions of people will go uh, missing by everyone here standards off the earth because they will be caught away or raptured up to heaven, you find this same ideal or concept if you compare it in First Thessalonians. Four, with Revelation chapter number four, where it explains this event happening and the church being called away. Hey, what will happen when that happens and we go to heaven? What will happen there? We will be made whole in Christ, our sin will be taken away, and the fruit of our faith will be made evidence in the presence of Jesus, as we will live in eternal bliss with God forever. Let B notice his credibility, his credibility. Look back at James chapter 5 or 7. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it. The long patience for it. Hey, it's saying here that there is a man who's been put in charge of an orchard or a vineyard, and he's taking care of that, and he has long patience that those trees will develop and give good fruit. He has patience that those vines will produce good fruit. And as Christians, sometimes we see the effort that we're putting out, and we don't get the immediate return, and we think, Lord, are you there? Are you working? Uh, Have you forgotten about me? I remember being a young man and going to a missions conference, and the missionaries that preached there stood up and talked about how that if we would give money to send missions to the mission field, that God would bless us, and God would prosper us, and we would do well. And I thought, oh boy, if I put $20 in the offering plate toward the missions, I'm going to get $200 back tenfold. And so I put that $20 in there by faith, and I... Began to look to see when $200 was going to fall out of the sky. You know what? It never came. And I thought, i had been hoodwinked. I lost $20. I could have spent on Mountain Dew and Doritos. What happened? And that's not what that meant. That wasn't even what the preacher was saying. I was looking at it selfishly. But there are times where we make investments for the Lord. And we don't see an immediate return. I think of Adoniram Judson, missionary to Burma, who gave his whole life to trying to learn the Burmese language and translate the Bible into their language and and minister to them and love them. And he did not see anyone come around to the Christian faith until the very end of his life where one person converted and right shortly after his death, revival, a Christian revival, swept across Burma. You know what? He had to be patient and endure to the end. Turn over with me to Hebrews uh, chapter number 6. Hebrews 6 and look at verse number 13. And here we're talking again, we're looking at the promises for the patient. Uh, do not be weary in well doing uh, uh, Well doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. The Bible tells us elsewhere and God's giving us an example of him coming through on his promise, but him doing it on his timing, not ours. Look at verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. "...saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee." And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured, uh, endured Abraham obtained the promise. Well, what was the promise? You remember that Abraham and Sarah were childless. They were fruitless. And God came to them and said, If you'll get up and go to a place I'll lead you, I will make you a father of many nations." Well, here it is, a decade later, two decades later, three decades later, and his wife still hasn't uh, conceived. And he's saying, God, uh, did you forget? My wife's in the middle of menopause. How are we going to have a baby when hormonally that's not even possible anymore? And God says, Abraham, I made you a promise and I swear by myself. I swore by my own name. You will receive the promise. And you know what? When When Sarah was over 90 years old, she conceived and had a baby. Now, you got to remember, they live older than we do now. So it would have been equivalent to like a 60-year-old woman today having a baby. That That's a miracle. But you know what? It, it sounds like, oh, brother, yeah, right, for us. But you have to remember, God is the God of the impossible. He made us. He can bend the rules any way He wants. And God gave her that baby, but it required Abraham being patient. You know what the Bible is? It's a Bible full of... Miraculous stories that prove that if we're faithful to God, have faith in God, and we're patient with God, that He will come through. You know, God told Noah, "Go build a boat." 120 years later, there hadn't been a drop of rain to ever fall out of the sky. All of a sudden, the deluge came. You know what? You know what? Noah was patient, and God came through. Over and over and over again in the story, you find examples of people being patient and God coming through. Why is the Bible filled with these stories? Well, to show us the credibility of God that those promise, uh, the promise of fruit bearing will happen if we are patient. Let C, see. Notice our confidence. Our confidence. Go back to James chapter 5 and verse number 7. It says there, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Why? Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain, until he receive the early and latter rain turn over to deuteronomy chapter number 11 and if um, you, uh, that would be the fifth book of the bible deuteronomy chapter number 11 i believe this is the only uh, old testament passage i have for us this morning but nonetheless this one's important if you can turn over there for me at our church here to our guests at our church here we want you to become familiar with your bible Because we believe the Bible is a perfect book. We take it literally and we believe everything it says is true unless it states that it is to be taken figuratively. And we believe it has the power to radically transform our lives for the better. Uh, Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 14. It says that I will give you the, the rain in your land in his due season. The first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Who controls the rain? God does. You can't make it rain, nor can you stop the rain. Um, I watch as science continues to evolve and not science evolving. Our understanding of science continues to evolve. And I'm impressed with what scientists can do. Um, The Bible says in the last days there would be what the Bible labels as witty inventions. But I am reminded of the limitations of science. When I see a hurricane barreling toward land, and I see how hopeless and helpless everybody is. Nobody can stop that hurricane. I was talking to my farmer friend yesterday, Steve. He's sitting out there on his phone And he says, um, I've got watermelons I've planted, and we have the April rains, the early rains. He said, but it all week long, we've had rain coming toward us. And again, northern Alabama. And right about the time it gets to our city, it just splits and goes around us. And he said, um, I, I don't sleep with peace of mind that these watermelons are going to get the rain they need. He said, there is a lot of patience on my part for God to send the rain." For these watermelons to be able to develop and grow. He said, you know what's tempting for me to do is to go spend a couple thousand dollars and install an irrigation system and water the watermelon patch myself. And he said, and I could do that. He said, or I could just be patient and wait for God to send the rain and I'll have the watermelons all the same. He said, the question is, how much do I want to trust God that he's going to send the rain for my watermelons to come through? And I said to him, I said, have you ever had a season where you didn't get the rain and you didn't have any watermelons? He said, we've had some seasons where it's been leaner, but we've always had watermelons to sell. He said, the question is, am I going to be patient for the rain? Well, I was talking to him on the phone. He's in the middle of talking and he stopped. And I said, you okay?" He said, I just saw lightning about two miles off. He said, I'm taking the tractor in the barn. The rain's coming. The early and the latter rains. Now. What is rain figuratively for the Christian? We're going to talk about this more in just a moment, but rain is trials. It is trials and problems that grow us. It is experience that brings about that hope, that bears that fruit. We can have confidence that God is going to bring about the elements necessary in our life for us to produce fruit for the Savior. Again, fruit of the Spirit, love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, that emotional stability, the those spirit fruits, those saint fruits, that boldness to share the gospel and see folks convinced to come to Christ. God will bring about those things in His time in our life, and we can be confident in it. God's promise for the patient. Number two, the pain that brings patience. The pain that brings patience. What is... That rain. Well, that rain oftentimes is not fun. Look down at verse number 8 of James 5. James chapter 5. Look at verse number 8. For our guests here today, I generally finish up somewhere between 12 and 12.10. And I'm on track to do that or maybe a minute or two earlier. So, uh, just so you're aware and know what to expect. James 5. Uh, look down with me again at verse number... We'll look at verse 8 this time. Be also patient... Establish your hearts. That phrase, establish your hearts, means develop your root system. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Look at verse 9. Grudge not one against another. That means don't hold a grudge against one another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. You know what the Bible is saying here? Is that the process of producing fruit is painful. At times... It's going to be difficult for you to not hold a grudge against somebody else because God's using them to take off a rough edge in your life, and you don't like it. You don't like it, and you can develop a spirit of uh, a, a spirit of frustration and anger and, and even bitterness toward them. And this this pain is necessary for patience. Uh, uh, let me give you an A, B, and a C here. Letter A: Our toil, our toil while you're turn over back over to hebrews chapter 6 we're going to look at hebrews 6 and hebrews 10 while you're finding way to hebrews 6 um i remember an evangelist preaching when i was a little boy and a traveling preacher came through our church and he got up and he said yeah he said last week i was in a meeting and someone came down front after the service and he said preacher i want you to pray with me and he got got down together and he said okay got down to the front row of the church he said what do you want to pray for he said preacher pray that god will give me patience he said, OK, are you sure that's what you want? He said, oh, yeah, I am a man that lacks patience. I need you to pray that God gives me more patience. He said, all right, this prayer's going to be a doozy. Close your eyes. He said, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help this man to lose his job. I pray you to cause this man to uh, to face financial difficulty. I pray, God, that you'd send medical problems this way. And the man interrupted, and said, what are you doing? He said, well, you want patience. I'm praying God gives you problems. Because through problems, you learn patience. He said, well, you don't have to pray so specific. <laughs> he said, all right, I guess we'll back up and pray a little more generic. Hebrews chapter number six. <laughs> Look at verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith inherit and, 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 uh, and patience... Faith and patience inherit the promises. Turn over to chapter 10. Uh, we're going to talk about our letter A, our toil. Look Rather, look back at verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience. You're not slothful. That's the point I want to draw out here. That uh, being patient does not mean being lazy. Look at chapter 10 and verse number 36. For ye have need of patience. Look here. That... After ye have done the will of God, after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Patience is not laziness. Patience does not mean you just sit on your hands and wait for it to happen. No, you're working, and you're working hard and you're toiling, and you're putting out a good effort, but you understand that uh, I'm not going to necessarily receive the return on my investment right away, but that's not going to discourage me. I'm going to continue to work, and I'm going to continue to give, and I'm going to continue to go, and I'm going to continue to give it everything i got, and just trust that God's timing is best. Our toil. Many folks, when they don't get what they're after in the Christian life, they throw in the towel and they walk away and they quit. Well, I tried reading my Bible, but I didn't get anything out of it. Um, We've got some men around the church auditorium here um, that have been saved for thirty or forty years. Brother Okai, let me ask you a question here, Brother Okai. How long have you been saved? Since 1979, 89, 99, 2009, 40 years. Okay. The first time you picked up your Bible to read it, did it make sense to you? Did I, did, were you able to to understand what you were reading? It was a process, wasn't it? You're probably. How many years in do you think to being saved was it before you sat down and said, "You know what? On a consistent basis, God's word is able to speak to me." Three to four years of regular daily reading before God's word started to make sense and really help you. Okay, um, Brother Owens, similar testimony. How many years of Bible reading do you think it was before you were able to consistently get something from God's word when you sat down to read it? Sure, sure. You don't sit down and open the, the Bible and, and have it all figured out on day one. Do you, Brother Vara? It's a process. It's a process. Brother Seguru, uh, did he have to slip out? He had to slip out. He was here a minute ago. Brother Seguru's been saved for 30 or 40 years. and Same thing. It, it's, a, it's a long, long process. Pierre, how long have you been saved? Can you hear me, Pierre? Pierre, how long have you been saved? Okay, no, no worries, no worries. Uh, Pierre is a former deacon here and served the Lord faithfully for many years. It's a process. You've got to toil at it. You've got to toil at it. Um, letter B, notice our trials. Our trials. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. I want to show you two different passages here where a very strong Bible word is thrown at us. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. It says, and not only so, by the way, mark this spot, because we'll be coming back to it a little bit later in the message. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations? That's a mature Christian outlook. Knowing that, why? Why are we glorying in tribulation? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Our pain. Now, that word tribulation is a scary word. We think of, you know, Christians that get their head chopped off in the Middle East. Uh, We think of... Nero dipping Christians in in, in tar and burning them to light up the streets. Take that word tribulation and substitute it in the word trial or trouble. Okay, God's going to put you through troubles and trials in order to grow that patience. Uh, Again, hold your place in Romans 5. Turn over to James chapter number 1. If you're in uh, James 5, it should just be a page or two over there. James chapter 1, look at verse number 3. James 1 verse 3, I'll begin reading. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her mature work, or complete work, or perfect work, that ye may be, again, mature, perfect, complete, and entire, wanting nothing. You're content. How do you get patience? You cannot get patience without trials. I remember as a little boy, I went with my dad to follow up on a family who had just dropped off from coming to church. They had been saved for just a short time, and um, this is in Mississippi, southern Mississippi. Um, I remember sitting there with my dad, I was probably seven, eight years old, and watching my dad try to convince his family to come back to church. This family had gotten saved, they'd gotten baptized, they'd become faithful to church and all of a sudden, just all of us out of the blue, they dropped off and quit coming. My dad had developed a little bit of a friendship with the man, and he's sitting there with the man and his wife, and he said, uh, you know, we sure do miss you at church. He said, Everything okay? He said, You know, he called my dad by his first name, and, you know, he he said, Tim, since uh since we started coming to church, everything's been going wrong. He said, I've lost my job. He said, uh, I think about every appliance in this house is broken. He said, and then the days that we want to go to church, um, we'll have a child have an accident or break a bone or, you know, we'll have a pipe break in the house or leak. He said, I just thought that getting saved meant my life would get easier. My dad looked at him and he said, it's not how it works. God wants to develop in you the right fruit. But he's going to bring problems your way to try you. Think of it this way. Let me use this example. How do you purify gold? You've got to turn up the heat. You've got to turn up the heat and bring the dross to the top. You scrape that off and then you turn up the heat a little more and you scrape that off. God is going to turn up the heat under those he loves to bring out the impurities so that you can be refined in his sight and that fruit that you produce can be the fruit that it ought to be. But when he turns up the heat, if we whine and complain or we run away from the fire and say, I don't want that, then you cannot have the the fruit of patience that he wants you to have. The promise that comes with patience. Letter C, notice our trust. Our trust. Look back at uh, James 1, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It just really comes down to this question. Do you trust God when He turns up the fire and He's bringing out the problems? Do you trust Him? The day before Matthew was born... I got hired to be an assistant pastor in uh, in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Hunt Valley is a very affluent, uppity, uppity neighborhood. And we were uh, this was my this was going to be my launching point into into pastoral work. And man, we were thrilled to death. And uh, the day uh, there was a Saturday uh, leading up to that start date. Where I was going up to look at the house they were going to have us living in, a church parsonage. On the way home, my junker clunker car in our first marriage there, our little Saturn, uh, I think it was an SL model. It, it broke. I mean, it, it was it was total. It was beyond repair. So the car went up. And so my parents lived in the area at the time. They came and got us and took us up to their house and we were having dinner with them. Matthew's just a couple of weeks old, our first child. And then the pastor calls me and he says, uh, can you get by yourself? My parents were going to his church. He said, uh, God has been telling me not to hire you. I know you have a start date, but count this as being unhired. And I hung up the phone. Now I have no car. My lease is coming to an end on my apartment. Um, so I'm going to make a decision. Oh, and the guy below me in that apartment, the FBI raided his house and arrested him for murder. Ask Angela about that story. She was home. They came into our house and walked through to get a footprint of the apartment. There were snipers all around the field with guns. And they went in through his windows and his front door. At the same time... And had him arrested in seconds. Had he shot up, my family was at the floor above. That yeah, was a scary experience. So, we're in an apartment in a bad part of town. I just lost my job. I just lost my mode of transportation. And this pastor says, hey, I feel bad about what I did for you. And so, here, I have a pastor friend about an hour away over in Frederick, Maryland, and he's looking for uh, an assistant pastor. Go out there and interview him. And so, my brother loaned me 1200 bucks. I bought another clunker car, and I drove up there, and this pastor put gas in my tank for a week. This pastor led me along all week, uh, 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 for a week, uh, ble- uh, leading me to believe he was going to Hire me. I got to the end of that week. He sat me in my office. He's going to say to me, uh, 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 "Here, you're hired. Here's your pay. Here's your start date." And he looks at me and he says, "It's not going to work." What? I got, got in my 1994 Taurus that I just bought, with with a sun rotted steering wheel because the owner, the previous owner, left it sitting out in the in the sun. And I'm riding home and I've got tears running down my cheeks. I'm 25 years old. I've got a brand new child, a wife I've only been married to a couple of years. God, what are you doing to me? All I want to do is give my life to loving people and helping them. I can't get in. What are you doing? And I could feel the voice of God saying to me, do you trust me? I know what I'm doing. Do you trust me? You're going through a world of hurt right now in your life. God's turning up the heat in your life. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Number three, notice the progression of patience. We looked at God's promise. We looked at the pain. Let's look at the progression of patience. I'm going to move quickly from this point to the end of the message here. Let's look back at James chapter 5. And let's look at verse number 8. It says, There be ye also patient... Establish your hearts. That's a process. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. What he's saying? He's saying here, get your heart in order. Run those roots down deep in your heart. Make sure that you are that tree planted by the river of water, that's bringing forth its fruit in its season. Establish your hearts. I ask you to hold your place in Romans 5. Turn back over there, assuming that you did. And for sake of time, I'm going to begin reading right away. Verse 3 says, look at the progression here. And not only so, but ye glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation or troubles or trials or pain worketh patience, Okay, Pastor, I get it. Uh, troubles bring patience, but what do, does patience bring? Verse 4, patience, experience, experience, hope. You know what has happened to me here? Uh, you know what happened to me in that story I just told you? God was saying to me, do you trust me? And then he came through. We had the experience. I remember we got home and uh, I, needed a, I did sign a contract saying we'd pay rent at 115% clip to be there month by month. I remember that we uh, got down to the end of the month and we were about uh, $200 shy of being able to pay the rent, and we had no source of money. I was out every day looking for a job, beating on doors and and begging employers for work, and uh, just didn't have any promise of work. And I said to Angela, "I said we don't have any food in the refrigerator, we don't have any way of paying the rent, and they're probably going to come and give us a hard time about that." I said, "I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, w- we're just going to pray and trust that God's going to come through." I got a call uh, uh, in the middle of the week and someone said, I've had your name on my list for quite some time and uh, I'm, I'm part of a church out in La Plata, uh, Maryland right outside of Waldorf and we need somebody to come and fill the pulpit. We don't have a pastor right now. Would you like to come and preach for us? And I said, well, if you can cover my gas, I'd be happy to come preach for you. And he said, sure. You have enough gas in your tank to get here. I said, I I do. He said, I'll I'll fill you up when you get here to get you home. We'll take care of you. So we drove out there on a Saturday. They put us up in a nice hotel. They they took us to Golden Crow and fed us dinner, which when you're poor, Golden Crow is awesome. And so uh, we ate till our hearts were content. And then the the next day we got up and we we uh, I preached Sunday school. I did Sunday morning. I did Sunday night. Trust me, if you think I'm unpolished. Now, boy, was I unpolished then. Uh, And I got through uh, that, and uh, uh, the the treasurer gave me a check, and we got in our car, and I handed the check to my wife. You've heard this story, forgive me for having to tell it again, but I think it makes the point here. And I'm pulling out of the parking lot, and Angela opens up the envelope, and uh, she, she looks down, and I look up at her, and I just see tears running down her cheeks. And I said to her, What does it say? What does it say? And I pulled the car over to the side of the road and I took the check out of her hand and I looked down at the check stub and it said $100 for Sunday school. $100 for Sunday morning. $100 for Sunday evening. $100 for being a blessing. You know, it was another six or seven years before anybody ever called me again to invite me to preach out. just happened that God had that phone ring the week we needed that rent money. We were able to pay the rent, put groceries in the cupboard, pay a little bit of offering to the church, give a little bit to the Lord, and have a couple of extra bucks in our pocket. And then the next week, God provided me with a job. About a month later, a church on the south side of Baltimore hired me to be an assistant pastor. And God came through! You know what? Tribulation, it brings patience. And patience brings experience. I can stand up here today and I can share with you for hours and hours how many times God has brought a problem in our life and then came through for us and we have the experience to share it. And now when a problem comes to my life, I don't even sweat it. I look up in God and say, you've come through so many times before. I have a strong hope in you that you're going to come through again. You develop that patience, that patience develops uh, experiences, and those experiences give you a hope that is tangible. Number four, and lastly, notice some people of great patience. Go back to James chapter 5, and look with me at verse number 10. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example, of suffering, affliction, and of patience. But we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We know the story of Job, don't we? Richest man in the East. Richest man in the civilized world. And in about a 20 minute time span, God took it all away. You know what Job was able to do? He was able to be patient and endure. And God gave it back to him. How about the prophets? Boy, they preached and preached and preached and preached. The judgment of the Lord is coming. The doom of the Lord is coming. And you know what? They got down to the end of life and God gave them what they needed to endure to the end. And now they have the perspective of eternity to rejoice. Some uh, There are many folks who will come to White Oak Baptist Church. They will get saved, put their faith and trust in Christ to save them. They will get baptized. How many folks have been baptized in that baptistry who we've never seen again? Some of you start to raise your hand and put it right back down. Ah, you see me. Um, and then uh, they start reading their Bible and praying. They start to develop and then they fall off. Why? Because they're just not patient. They're just not patient. Patience, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's have our heads about nice clothes this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths about the process. Lord, may we take a farmer's mentality over a Wall Street mentality when it comes to the development of fruit in our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we seek to be that tree planted by the river of water. And then, Lord, for those trees in the church that are planted by the river of water, there are always ways to improve. May we never grow lazy or slothful. But may we press on the upward way so that we can be more and more like you. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here this morning... That has yet to put their faith in you. They're trusting in some religious system. Or they're trusting in some code of behavior of theirs to get them to heaven. Help them to see that the only path to heaven is through a pure, unadulterated, childlike faith in the death, resurrection of your son. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming our sin so that we could be made into your righteousness. For one today, Lord, that hasn't done that, may they get that matter settled before it is eternally too late. In Jesus' name, amen.